up everything. Well, that just happened. The St. Louis Blues signed Tory Krug to a seven-year, $6.5 million contract, and now it seems like all hope is lost for Alex Petrangelo to return to the team he's captained for the past four years. But is that actually the case, or is there still a small window of opportunity for the right-handed defenseman to return? We'll cover that all ahead, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! back everybody welcome to the two guys one cup podcast it is october 10th it's a saturday uh and we are coming to you from our um slanted and rented uh studios in an airbnb on lovett street in st augustine florida and let me tell you you don't get that kind of detail if it's not true uh ian <laughs> you are not currently in st augustine which by the way is the oldest city and port continually uh, operated and occupied in the continental United States, and I think any of the United States for that matter. Uh, but how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. I'm doing great from a much uh, a much better Saint Saint Louis. Yeah, I think the people uh, heard of that one. I'll give you the edge. I'll give you the edge. Saint Augustine. You know, it's cool. It's got some old stuff, but I'm also like, I thought this was a bigger deal than this. You know. <laughs> But, Does St. Augustine have a county within it that is radioactive? <laughs> <laughs> because if you knowledge. live in North County, you could have three eyes. <laughs> and probably do. Uh, it is the county seat of St. John's County, Florida. So, you know. St. Augustine uh, is the county seat of St. John's? Yeah. And that Too can many be saints. The, that's right. And not, and I mean, I guess Florida is trying to save its reputation, but... It's not working. Um, so, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot has happened. Uh, Things have changed. Um, what, where do we start? I guess we start with the signing. I guess we start with what is here now instead mm-hmm. of what is no longer here. And uh, that would be the, the fairly shocking but not totally uh, undiscussed, unrumored signing by the St. Louis Blues of Tory Krug, our former adversary in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Doug Armstrong signed him to a seven-year, $45.5 million contract extension uh, on whatever yesterday was, Friday on free agency day. When this come in about seven, you know. Yeah, six or seven. seven. I was was eating dinner, so I missed it. I was eating dinner as well with a friend, but happened to go to the bathroom about two seconds after I got a text from a friend uh, that just said something like, Tory Krug, wow. And I was like, well, <laughs> you know, I'd heard enough rumors earlier in the day that I figured I knew what he meant um, mm-hmm. and looked it up and confirmed it. But, uh, you know, Krug is a good player. He's a 29-year-old left-handed shot, signed as an undrafted college UFA by the Bruins in 2012. Uh, he played with Boston for the last nine seasons. He's small, 5'9", 185, um, but he's uh, a top offensive defenseman in the league. And, and honestly, as as we know from the Robert Thomas hit, and by the way, greatest tweet of all time by Robert Thomas to 
you know, take the high road and, and make a joke out of that. And, and Krug responding to it was fantastic. Uh, it is official two guys, one cup cannon now that Robert Thomas and Tori Krug are best friends. Uh, mm-hmm. and nothing will ever change that as far as we are concerned. Um, but, you know, all that to say, Krug certainly doesn't lack a physical element to his game. He's not shy about making contact. Um, but he has to pick his spots and, you know, charge. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not what happened. Uh, I did like Armstrong's comment that was to the effect of, I didn't think it was that bad a hit then, and I certainly hope it's still a legal hit now. <laughs> yeah, like I was like, yeah, it's, it's a little, it was a little late and high, but you know, he's like, That's fine. That's fine now. <laughs> That's fine. I just hope it's good going forward. Um, Krug admitted but uh, the role he was stepping into, saying, I don't think anyone here is expecting me to replace an Alex Petrangelo. I think the world of him is a player. Uh, I don't know him personally, but I just think we're different people, different players. I don't think anyone can come in here and fill his shoes, and I don't think anyone is expecting Tory Krug to. I think that would be a huge mistake by Blues fans to think of this as a Petrangelo replacement. Um mm-hmm. Krug is a downgrade from Petrangelo. I don't think there's any question about that. If you look at their even strength, uh, you know, um, hero chart, it's not particularly close. Uh, Petra is about a 2.5 goals, four per 60. Um, Krug is like a 0.8, you know, expected goals for is about 1.8 versus 0.7 or six. Corsi four per 60 is about equal. Petro has a little bit of an edge, but not a huge one. And then uh, Krug is way behind and Corsi against per 60. So uh, Krug is a guy that just overall plays a faster, looser game uh, than Petrangelo. But as you pointed out here in the notes, um, he's a, a, a more threatening offensive presence. And uh, he's still very much a top four defenseman, arguably top line defenseman. And if you look at their hero charts uh, on the power play, Krug absolutely wipes the floor with Petrangelo, honestly. Mm -hmm. About two times as many goals, four per 60, um, and uh, more than two times as many expected goals for and Corsi four per 60. Uh, And, you know, that's been kind of my thinking about this. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of dominating the conversation but i think i think we have to analyze this signing in a vacuum um and i think we can say honestly that this is a signing that makes sense for the blues i think he's a good player he's two years younger than petrangelo um and he brings something we've really lacked since kevin shattenkirk left which is that true power play quarterback type you know i think some people thought vince dunn could evolve into that role i think he still could uh in the mm-hmm. nhl whether it's here we'll talk about that in a minute i'm sure um but you know crude brings a he's not on that you know eric carlson prime tier but he's probably that next level below it of a true offensive defenseman who uh has had 40 assists i believe plus in each of his last i want to say five seasons um so yeah, just a, a great threat in the offensive zone and for a team that scoring doesn't always come easily for and creativity doesn't come easily for and a team that, you know, even though they statistically had a pretty effective power play last year, seemed to uh, just take a lot of time and be kind of uncreative and frozen in their zone on the power play. I think in a vacuum, taking away the other big question, which we'll talk about, 
this is a signing that makes sense. Term probably a little longer than you want, uh, but you know that effectively brings the AAV down to a man very manageable six point five million. Um, I think that's you know perfectly fine dollar value for Krug. Um, probably a little cheaper than I would have thought we'd get him. I probably would have thought it was seven or seven point five. Uh, so again, in a vacuum, this alone, I'm excited. I've always liked Tori Krug, and I'm glad to have him here. What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a move that I didn't see coming. We saw, you know, we saw some rumors about it. We saw some Blues fans on Twitter talking about, hey, you know, uh, Blues miss out on Petrangelo. Maybe we go the Krug route. And for a while, it to me, I think the thing I balked at the most about that was the fact that we saw people on Twitter saying, yeah, I give Krug like 7.5 or whatever. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not, I don't want to give this dude the, you know, the moon and the stars uh, when he's not Alex yeah. Petrangelo. And the fact that he came in at 6.5, which I think is what Petrangelo is getting paid um, in his last contract is I think perfect because he's just essentially slotting in and it's the same money we were already paying, you know, that we didn't have last year for anybody. So I think the money works really well for me. Like you said, the term's kind of long, but it keeps the money down. But overall, it's it's weird. It's it's a weird feeling because you see it, and like we already talked about, he's not Alex Petrangelo. He, he is literally a downgrade. But at the same time, you can't, you can't let Petrangelo walk and then get nothing. Like, I get that Krug is a left-handed defenseman. He's going to play the left side. He's not Alex Petrangelo in, in his ability, and he's also not a righty. But you needed someone to slot in your top six because we do have some young guys on defense that could be playing this year. Um, your Mikolas, your Prunoviches, but you, you just don't know yet. So it's like you, you kind of want to have someone up there that you know can play in your top six, your top four for sure. And I wasn't feeling very confident looking at Pareko, Scandella, Dunn, Falk, like as your top four, sort of, kind of. Gunnarsson, it was kind of like, that's fine. And I think Krug just makes things feel a lot better. You know, um, I think he makes yeah, the mean, whole back end click a lot more in terms of where people get pushed into the lineup. Yeah, I, do, I don't think there's any question, and we'll see how it shakes out. They're still moving pieces, but if you end up with a top four of Fox, Scandella, Pareko, and Krug, um, you know, that's very different from what it was uh, a year ago or, you know, over just over a year ago when we won the Cup. Um, but it, I don't think there's any arguing that's a very strong NHL top four. Uh, and then when you had the potential of a Scott Pruner, developing or or Nico Mikola or Mitch Reinke or um, you know just the solidity of a Gunnarsson Bortuzzo kind of pairing down there at the bottom I think that's fine you know in a vacuum again that's great and um, I think for my part obviously we'll talk about Alex Petrangelo at length in a minute um, but to be fair to Doug Armstrong <clears throat> who I think may fetch some criticism on this episode uh, I always said that if Petrangelo is going to walk, you better do something and you better have a plan. Um, and I think it took, you know, honestly kind of balls of steel uh, to go ahead and say, look, if, if Petrangelo wants to weigh his, weigh his options and take his time, I can't sit around. There's one other guy, you know, who is going to make a big impact in my defense. There are other 
decent defensemen out there who are free agents, but there's one other guy, um, you know, who, who I think is on that level of, of a real impact player. And that's Tory Krug and Tory Krug isn't weighing his options and waiting for the very perfect situation or hoping that Boston's going to come back with a contract offer. Um, so Doug went out and he, and he solidified his decor and, uh, you know, he rumored last night that he wasn't necessarily done. So, um, you know, we can talk about, we will talk about some of the stuff with Petrangelo and, and um, Armstrong's encouragement to keep him in the loop. But I told, you know, I said on this podcast that I think uh, we are, you know, we needed to do something. We couldn't just pretend that this was the same team if Petrangelo left and we would otherwise just still be competitive and fine. And we did something, you know, it's, it's a move I like. Uh, on its own merits and we'll see you know i guess i don't mm. i don't know what more to say about that um I, th- I think the one thing that this helps or that makes the uh pill a little bit easier to swallow is like we talked about how he's not necessarily going to be as great defensively as petrangelo is or has been but um krug is a lot more of your offensive defenseman and again on the power play looks really good and i think we fin- i think we finished third on the power play this year which is crazy because I swear even when it's working it looks like it's not um it's it'll just be interesting to see him on the power play because I look at I was trying to type up some lineups that I thought we could use and you know obviously if they're functioning perfect they're going to look perfect but I mean just on paper if you had like a Schwartz O'Reilly Perron and if you even want to just load up and you just want to say like Falk who we hope can recapture some power play uh momentum and Krug if you have Schwartz O'Reilly Perron Falk and Krug that's like holy crap like that's just like an insane power play lineup um mm-hmm. you can throw thomas in there you can move people around you can put krug on one power play and put flock on the other um i think even adding krug and him being maybe the focus as the new defenseman possibly even helps flock in multiple ways a mm-hmm. krug's krug's new he's probably gonna i don't know if he's gonna slot higher or lower but he's on the opposite side they could play together in fact but um mm-hmm. Falk could actually benefit from this a lot. And I think also it helps because it's, you know, we lost a righty, Fox righty. Now I can play more top four time and he's not having to play his offhand. He's not having to play, you know, basically this weird sort of like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't defenseman in waiting, but in some ways it sort of felt like it, you know, sort of felt like, okay, Fox, our insurance policy for if Petrangelo leaves and now Petrangelo is pretty much left and it's like, okay, um, we don't really, we don't have to think about that as much anymore. I don't know why it is to me, but it feels like since Petrangelo left, since we got Krug, Falk is now just Justin Falk, and he's not like this weird, like Petrangelo's here, and you're like the next Petrangelo. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it really was over. kind of a, a Mike Yo coach and waiting situation. Yeah, though. like I, I don't know if I felt like that personally, but it definitely just felt like that was the aura. Uh-huh. Of what was going on and it just and people were then sort of like it leads you um leaning forward in your seat a bit and you're kind of like even though <laughs> justin fox didn't come in here and go i'm gonna be petrangelo everyone was pretty much like oh okay interesting <laughs> sir let's see what you can do and then he and, and admittedly didn't have a great season and then it was like we do not like this fellow and i was like hold up hold up um so i hope he does pretty well too but like yeah i think i yeah, for me, Krug, already a very good player, a great defenseman. Like, I'd say, you know, top top 30 in the league for sure. 
um, in terms of just like notoriety and just being an impact player. And I'm, I'm incredibly interested to see what he does here because I do think he'll slot into this team really well. Just watching some of his highlights, even, even just playmaking ability, I think he's going to find a lot of players um, in O'Reilly and Perron and Schwartz and Shen and all these guys that he can bounce off really well. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I like the signing. I think it's uh, great on paper. Now let's talk about the other face of this, and I'm sure we'll circle back around to crew. No um, more. I don't want to talk about this no more. <laughs> but we have uh, to. The obvious implication of this signing is that the Alex Petrangelo era in St. Louis is over. I am not a hundred percent convinced of that, uh, which I think we'll talk about in a bit, but I think any reasonable person would have to say that the odds are pretty, pretty long that Alex Petrangelo comes back. Um, it sucks. I, I hate that. Honestly, I really, I'm, I don't think either of us have wavered except maybe in our immediate anger in the wake of the bubble series um, mm. that, you know, we want, Alex, we wanted Alex Petrangelo to be a long-term part of this team and, and be the player, you know, the kind of player that was the face of this generation of the franchise for us, this generation where you and I kind of became fans and, you know, grew as fans and started a podcast and saw our first Stanley Cup and we wanted Petrangelo to stay here and, and hit all those milestones and reach a thousand games, play with the Blues and get his number retired and all that. Um, and now it looks like none of that's going to happen. He traveled to Vegas this morning to meet with the Golden Knights staff, tour their facilities, uh, and take a look at neighborhoods in the area. area. Um, if let's let's do this. Let's start with this. If Alex Petrangelo is gone, um, how are you feeling about that? Um, I think I've sort of come to terms with a little bit. You know, like part of me. Uh, part of me is still kind of a little in shock because despite everything we've said on this podcast or I've said, I'm like, nah, he's gone. Nah, he's gone. It's still kind of like, really? Um, mm -hmm. I think that was just the weirdest part of the Krug signing was like, rarely do you have a signing that you're excited about that also signals something that sucks. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, the whole time. Um, I mean, if if that's what it is, if it's Krug and then Petrangelo just can't isn't going to be here, and that seems to be what this is going to be, um, it's it stinks. And I think <laughs> I would have liked him to stay, and I would have liked a lot of things to change about this team. But it wasn't Alex Petrangelo leaving, <laughs> uh, and it just kind of feels weird because, like we've talked about, you are in a spot where it just feels like a, a different team it's you're not only are you losing your captain but you're just losing a guy that was your number one defenseman um pretty much since the minute that uh eric johnson's knee got mangled like <laughs> it's just like he's been here for forever and you know i will we'll always remember him because he he was the first blues captain uh, to lift the cup and it's great, but it's, it's, those are great memories, but it just stinks that he won't be around for, for longer. Like we said, it seems like if he would have stayed here, that's, that's, a, you know, that's a legacy. That's a, that's a statue. That's a, that's a number in the rafters. That's potentially um, more cups. And obviously wherever he's going, he obviously thinks he's going to be able to get 
cups there as well, but it's just, it just felt more like the solid thing. We're like, Hey, this is going to be our, like the blues defenseman. You have Pronger, you have McKennis. Um, I don't know that Petrangelo was the caliber of defenseman, but like over the course of time, he was going to be that, that sort of defenseman or be able to be talked about in those same sentences, you know, and to me, it feels like he'll always kind of be a, uh, a one B sort of even even winning the cup, I think you'll always mm-hmm. be like, man, he was a very good defense for the Blues, like top top three, but he's always going to be number three or you know something like that. It just feels like he could have been more here, and it wasn't even like I was expecting more from him. I was just expecting mm-hmm. the same, which was already good. You know what I mean? Um, and losing that just it stinks. It stinks, but I'm also kind of a little over it at this point, and now I'm sort of looking forward to, like, I'm looking forward to a Petrangelo as a Blues. I'm interested to see what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's no, there's no question to me that it sucks, and I don't think, you know, there, there are plenty of Blues fans that exist, because I've seen them on Twitter, um, that uh, you know, I think there's there are plenty that somehow believe this was the right thing, not necessarily this plus the crew designing, but, um, you know, that Petrangelo was old and that the contract was going to suck. And, you know, it will. I mean, it will at the end. Whoever signs him for eight years is going to have probably a crappy contract at the end of it. Um, but they're also going to have a damn good defenseman for the next four or five years. Um and, uh, you know, it's just, it feels very similar. Obviously, Alex Petrangelo is not too hockey what uh, Albert Pujols was to baseball, but it does feel similar to that in the reality that it's like, oh, you're going to go do all this, and, you know, in a Golden Knights jersey or whoever he ends up with. You know, that's mm-hmm. the primary suitor we've heard about, but like, you're going to go play your thousandth game and get your silver stick and, in Las Vegas and, you know, all that stuff. It's just like, okay, man, that's on you. Uh, but, you know, if I honestly, I think it, and we'll talk about this now, but like, because of the way it's happened, I'm not going to feel a lot of longing for Alex Petrangelo, you know, I'm not going to, mm-hmm. I'm not going to feel a ton of regret. And I think that that has a lot to do with how this story has developed and, you know, if, if, if Doug Armstrong is to be believed, and I so, see no reason why he would publicly lie about this, nor has he been really contradicted by the Petrangelo camp that has not been shy about being vocal, um, the Blues made a really hard pursuit of Petrangelo and did uh, bend some of their rules in terms of offering bonuses and, and offering a partial no-movement clause. And and really, really made a fair run at this. And Petrangelo chose to pursue the market anyway. And, and I'm of two minds on this. And I think it doesn't always come across on Twitter. Um, which is, my number one is that he's, he's perfectly entitled to go to market and try and get the most money that he possibly can. Uh, sport Players of sports. <laughs> uh, athletes, and especially in the NHL, uh, have kind of a system that is rigged against them making the most possible money. They're not mm-hmm. starving, not implying that, uh, but just because of the way UFA and RFA contracts are structured and the eight-year limit and all of that, it's you know it's pretty much guaranteed that you're going to hit the market uh, 
after, you know, kind of at the end of or approaching the end of your prime uh, and teams are going to be hesitant to take that big risk on you. So if he wants to get there and try and make as much money as he possibly can, having played for the last eight years, you know, well below market value, I think we can safely say, I don't have any problem with that. The flip side of that coin is, as we've said in the past, please then spare me the bullshit about how badly you wanted to stay in St. Louis and how it was always your first choice and how your heart breaks to leave the city and all of that stuff, because it's not true. You know, it's just, it's false. It's rubbish that you're saying to make the fans feel better uh, about the situation and kind of mollify your exit and uh, neutralize any anger they have towards you, but it's just not true it's the same as it was with David Backus. David Backus had every right to pursue a fifth year outside of St. Louis but if he wanted to stay in St. Louis more badly than anything else he would have stayed here without the fifth year you know and he didn't and once again that is perfectly his right and I hate how it worked out for him in Boston um but that's that's just kind of how it is and um you know, it's fine if, if Alex Petrangelo gets seven times nine million or 10 million from Vegas or from Florida or from from whoever else he might get it from, we'll talk about. Um, that's great. But I just don't want to hear the like, oh, it was it's so hard to leave St. Louis because it's not. You went and you took money and that's fine. But, you know, I'm just not that sympathetic to it. I don't know. Am I am I totally off base there? I mean, I would have. I would have been more sympathetic if it seemed like um, Armstrong and company had basically been like, yo dog, it's eight times eight. We have no, you know, there's no bonuses. There's no mm-hmm. movement clause. You know, we're not putting oh, any yeah. sort of clause oh, in there. This is it. And I'd be like, okay, I kind of feel for him because we're kind of asking him to take a big, kind of a deep discount, I would say. Uh, but yeah, like you said, and like we all kind of read and heard, like Armstrong pretty much said that, they offered him a contract at one point and that he confirmed that there was no like structure in place. But then he pretty much said that's because we were just asking him like in his, in his agency, like, is the money good? Like, is just the money on paper? Does that make sense? And if they said, yeah, he pretty much said we would make the structure work. We would do whatever they wanted, which just leaves me either he's lying, which I kind of believe like if he's going to lie, he's going to lie just a little bit and not a ton. It makes me believe that they did offer him, and he said that they did, the no movement clause or some form of that, and and bonuses and things like that. And the fact that they, he didn't take it, um, you know, I, I guess I could pin on Petrangelo. Part of me really thinks it's just like a weird, just like a shitty management group. Because, like, it just doesn't feel like Petrangelo would just say no to all this stuff. But I get he's, in the end, it's his decision I just wonder what's going into his ear, you know, while he's making that uh-huh. decision. Because, um, yeah, it's the same group that had a really brutal negotiation the last time around, too. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't think Alex Fernandez is a bad person, but maybe he's just a, a tough guy to negotiate with himself. Like, that could be the case. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, doesn't seem like it from a fan's perspective. Um, but, yeah, he's... It's just, I don't know, it just seems odd that Armstrong said they pretty much offered him essentially what we heard he would have wanted. What we heard were the things that were being held up because he wasn't offering those things, Armstrong says he was. Um, And so, yeah, to that degree, it makes me feel like if he's going to tell us, like you said, 
you know, I feel awful even the city and I really wanted to stay. It's like, ah, for what? For like something ridiculous at this point? Like, you know, I needed mm-hmm. the 10 million. It's like, wow, nah, dog. <laughs> you didn't. Again, um, with that, again, it's it's not, I'm not trying to imply that he doesn't care about St. Louis or that he hates it or anything, but stop telling me it was your number one biggest thing when it clearly wasn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. It's like you can, I can respect, I can respect that this is a business. Like when people are like, this is a business, this is how it works. You always hear that that line thrown out there when you have uh, players moving on from a team that they've been on for a long time, like Tory Krug, you know, for instance, and things like that. But then, then, then let me, let me handle that. Let me handle that information as you've given it to me. It's a business. I get it. But yeah, don't, please don't trot out the whole like, man, it's just, you know, that was, it was my heart and I'm like, no, 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 like I can take a little bit of that. But like we've talked about on here and in private, if you're going to tell me that in a tweet, cool, fine. But if I'm going to see like a player's tribune article about yeah, how your heart just well. breaks <laughs> for leaving St. Louis, dude, spare me. Like, uh-huh. I don't, I don't feel angry. Like if he's gone, honestly, I've gotten to the point despite how my voice sounds right now. I'm really not pissed. <laughs> like, he, uh, that it, it is what it is and you know that's that's fine that's okay um i think landing tory crew takes a lot off of that but it's like that's that's how the way it is but i just i don't want to hear about how this is some big emotional thing for you and i'm sure it is because your wife's from here and you got kids and all that junk but like don't tell me that mm-hmm. yeah yeah i agree with that really strongly um now, let me talk about my conspiracy theories that are probably... Oh, wrong. boy. Let's um, do it. Who are we trading? We got we to gotta trade like nine people. All, all I want to say is I'm glad you mentioned his <laughs> shitty management group because I really think they have badly misread the market. Um, I don't think the money is there for him in Vegas. I don't think that they have a move to make to clear the cap space that they need to clear for him. I don't think anyone is taking Marc-Andre Fleury. There has been zero smoke. There's been smoke on like everything. This was a crazy (laughs) ass goalie market Uh and there has been no Marc-Andre Fleury smoke. Yeah. And listen, Marc-Andre Fleury is a legend and borderline, if not guaranteed Hall of Famer. Who would? He's a 35-year-old goalie with two years left on a $7 million contract per year, clearly somewhat in decline, um, who is obviously partnered with an agent that is willing to make a public mockery of (laughs) his team at the drop of a hat. And I don't, you know, who is going to take that in a flat cap era? There's not a team out there you know, maybe like Carolina, but I don't think Tom Dundon's going to spend money on a guy um, who, you know, who's not guaranteed to improve his team and, and isn't long-term an improvement for them. Um, and, you know, they've got Nedeljkovic or Nedeljovic or however you say it. They've got another year of Mrazek. So I'm, I thought Mrazek was maybe a free agent this year, but he's not. Um you can go down the list. I'm just looking at like teams with like cap space, like Ottawa. They will talk about all these teams. They got their guy, Buffalo. Yeah, they're, they don't need anybody. Detroit. They've got they've got like multiple people now. Uh, yeah. New York Rangers got their people. Devils have their people. Nashville Hugh Dobin has went people. back to the Stars. Nashville yeah. got their people. 
jackets um, have their people. It's like yeah. the kings. Will the kings take him? And then after that, like nobody. <laughs> it's like I don't know yeah, who's I mean, going to be able to take this on without themselves having to move people. And then you know, if yeah, and then if you're talking about that, it's like, are the knights gonna what give up a first round pick for somebody to take this contract? Maybe, but is that worth it to sign Alex Petrangelo, who for these guys is a luxury at best? I mean, Alex Petrangelo is a great player. I think adding him to that roster without major subtractions certainly makes them one of the top three cup contenders, but they arguably Mm. already are one of the top three cup contenders. That is the weird thing, but this feels very – this as much as I like the Ryan Miller trade, this feels very Ryan Miller trade where it's like – you're increased, you're already so good. And now you're uh-huh. like, but now we've got Alex Petrangelo. And I was like, dude, you were like very close to the ceiling already. <laughs> and yeah. you've hit, you've hit it. And it's his extra little bit is not getting you any further. Yeah, um, exactly. Especially for the contract. If you're adding him and it's like someone's retaining salary or, you know, some, or he's, uh, he's uh, going to be a UFA next year, you know, so you have mm-hmm. him for a year at a run, but you're going to have that dude for seven years. Like, I don't know, just looking at their cap friendly, like, I don't, like, if they put him on there, they have a lot of money locked up, they like, for a long so time. They have so many long-ass contracts. I don't know what drunk monkey decided <laughs> that Alex Tuck needed to be signed through 2026, and William Carlson through 2027, and even this, like, William Carrier for a four-year deal, like, what are they doing down there? You know? They, I think they realize this, this is, like, their window. Like, they're yeah, like, we have this I core, guess, this is our window. Geez. The Lanier deal, to me, is, you know, highway robbery. I think getting him for five now, I mean, maybe it sucks in the last year or two of that, but he's obviously a much better goalie than that now, so that part's great for them. But, like... Mm-hmm. My point in all of this is not pick on Golden Knights time. They're a very good team. But, like, I just don't think the – I don't – obviously, they're shopping for him. I mean, he's he's in the city right now. So, it's it's not um, – it's obviously not like they don't want him. But they've also got to be searching for what they're going to deal. And they've got to recognize that they're not going to get interest on Marc-Andre Fleury. And if they're not going to get interest on Marc-Andre Fleury – then they're going to have to trade somebody like a Jonathan Marshall show plus, you know, plus other mm-hmm. pieces. Alec Martinez, I don't think they're going to get interest on that. Maybe they have to buy him out. And then it's, then you're talking about like now you're carving a huge hole in your team. And once again, they're too good for Alex Petrangelo to be worth shifting their roster significantly for. So, and look, beyond that, the, the Maple Leafs are out of this. Thank God. Um, but the Maple Leafs went out and they spent money elsewhere. They signed um, Wayne Simmons. They signed uh, Zach Bogosian. I mean, they did just trade Andreas Janssen, but even with that, they don't have – they have $1.3 million in cap space. TJ That's Brody. a team – did they sign TJ Brody? Oh, they sure yeah. did. Uh, yeah, and that's a $5 million deal. So that's that's it. That's their Alex Petrangelo. I mean, it's not, but it is. That's their move, you know? So they're out of it. I There's no world in which Petrangelo goes to Florida unless it is just a boring and embarrassing money grab. The Avalanche are rumored, but 
I don't think the Avalanche are going to offer this. Maybe they offer him like a $9 million two-year deal. But mm-hmm. why would they lock him up for a long time when they've got Kale McCarr, they've got Bowen Byram behind him, and they've still got, you know, Landis Cog coming due. Um, the McCarr extension is next year. Their group hours up next year. And, um, you know, in three years, they've got to have McKinnon, and then they've got to have uh, Ranton him right after that. So it's like, I just don't, I don't see a team where it's like, this is the fit for Alex Petrangelo. And so then I think it comes down to, are you going to take equal money with the Golden Knights just because you're pissed at the Blues? Or are you going to circle back and see if you can work something out? Um, and so I'm not totally convinced he's gone. I know that's crazy, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's more than a 5-10% chance. Um, but I think, you know, if you look at the Blues – I know nobody wants to hear this, but they have very tradable assets. Everybody wants us to just magically unload Schwartz and Bozak and be done with it. But if it, if you're talking about having a, a defensive unit that has Petrangelo, Krug, and Falk and Scandella, you are trading Colton Fareko because you're not keeping him after two years from now anyway, and you're going to get a monster return for that dude. And then you can talk about trading Jaden Schwartz. That's $11 million you can clear easily and get young cost-controlled assets for it. And then you trade, you know, you probably trade Vince Dunn. I think it looks like we're probably going to do that either way, honestly. Um, But all of that is to say, obviously, still not likely. I think, you know, by far the most likely option is that he signs with Vegas. But I don't think you're going to see him do it for a huge dollar amount. And I, so I still wonder if he kind of gets cold feet and kind of comes back and says, Hey, Doug, look, I'm, you know, can we do something here? Do you have an offer for me? Doug's openly said he will try and work it out. If, if Petrangelo comes back, um, you know, comes back around to the table, they've got, uh, how much are they under the cap now? I mean, barely, but they have, um, 8.2 over 8.2 million over that they can go um, in the off season because of that 10% rule. And and so they can sign them first and ask questions later. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I know it sounds crazy and it's obviously a a hugely minority likelihood situation, but I'm not ruling that out because I really do think his management and his agency has bungled the hell out of this. Man, I'm just flipping. I literally have like the uh, Blues cap friendly and the Golden Knights cap friendly next to each other. Mm -hmm. And that's like so many long numbers for the Golden Knights. And (laughs) thankfully, we have some now on defense, but like our forward group, holy crap, like we have so many people up next year. Yeah. And all of our contracts, you know, I mean, look, these aren't all going to work out great for the Blues. But the mm-hmm. idea that your most expensive guys beyond three years from now are at six point five million in, uh, you know, and, and three years from now, as we've said, I think we both expect the cap to explode. Um, it's not just going to be a flat cap that kind of inches back up. It's going to be a flat cap so the teams can recover, and then in three or four years, when they have revenue and they have Seattle in the league and Seattle's massive expansion fees, it's going to go up to eighty-eight, ninety you know, 95 really quickly. And these contracts are just not, you know, it's kind of, kind of like the Tarasenko contract before he was hurt where it's like, man, that looked 
incredibly good really quickly. It didn't feel like a massive discount at the time, you know, but just because of the way the cap evolved, I'm not worried about him super much, even though, you know, sure, you'd love to not have that Falk contract on the books right now after the way mm-hmm. it worked out last season, but tough, you know, it's, if that's the worst signing Doug Armstrong ever makes, I'm still not that worried about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Doug Armstrong, for as much crap as he gets about contracts, with very few exceptions, he pays a little too much or holds on a little too long to people that are still very much NHL caliber players, you know, that are still just, they're just underperforming their contract a bit. He does not have a lot of these kind of Louis Erickson or David Backus type deals on his resume where he signs a guy that just cannot play any longer, you know? Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? I mean, I assume that you think it's highly unlikely, but do you see a, a world in which Petrangelo comes back with kind of his tail between his legs a little bit maybe and, and recognizes that his uh, bluff has kind of failed him? Yeah, it's funny because that's what I was thinking when they signed Krug and I was listening to uh, Armstrong talk. It was just like, man, you really uh, – and I mean – Obviously, Armstrong's got to put the blues before any individual player, but that's a really big kind of like middle finger, even if it wasn't meant to be, to Petrangelo mm-hmm. to be like, hey, man, I can't wait. And now you were, you have a, a team out of the bidding now. So, like, now Vegas or whoever has more power to be like, you know what, maybe we don't want to go that high with you. And we're the only suitor now. So you're going to have to sign, for, you know, sign with us this way. Um, yeah. I could see I, I could see if there's a tweet even tomorrow, and I don't even know how it would go, but a tweet that was like, you know, Alex returned to St. Louis and, you know, found Vegas very interesting or, you know, and that's like after, you know, if somehow is, you get the news that he's not really enamored with Vegas, I could see uh, him coming back to St. Louis because, like, there just hasn't, had, like, unless it's kind of like Krug where no one really thought that was going to happen and Petrangelo signs with the New York Islanders or something. It just seems like it's all Vegas to me. They're like, oh, he's going to go visit the suitors. I'm like, what suitors? Where? Like, I'm not saying people don't want him. It's just they, there's no way to feasibly put him in, on the team. And so I could Blend see him. suitor. Yeah. <laughs> if Vegas, if uh, Vegas doesn't do it for him, if Vegas just don't do it for you. Um It'd be interesting to see if we could move like a Bozak and a, and I guess a, a Vince Dunn or whatever it would take to keep him. It would be really interesting, I think, for the year or two we're allowed to have that sort of defense put together. You know, while Pareko's still around, that's like well, that's like an insane decor. The Anaheim Ducks are up against the salary cap. Why? I know. <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, you know, I mean. My thought there, too, is just, like, this is a team that's identity is its defense. So I have no problem spending a lot more on our blue line. If you if you have a blue line that is Alex Petrangelo, Tori Krug, um, even let's just say we have to trade Pareko to make it work, it's those two, and then it's Justin Falk and Marco Scandella, and then Scott Perunovich or Vince Dunn is on your third pairing left-handed D. That's the mm-hmm. best defense in the NHL top to bottom, I think, without question. Um, and, 
you know, maybe you can argue like a, a Carolina, but it's pretty damn close. Uh, and with Krug, I mean, Krug, the, the idea of Krug playing with Petrangelo is really enticing to me. And it mm-hmm. really, I mean, that's another reason that I think I don't, I, there's no reason for Doug to close the door on Petrangelo, you know, if, if other than bitterness, I guess, but there's no reason if he, if he can get Petrangelo back in here and now he has the negotiating leverage to talk him down to a flat 8 million or even, you know, even maybe he says, look, you've got to admit that you're no bigger than this team and sign for the 7.5 that our other star players have. You know, if he can do something like that, Krug is a perfect complement to Petrangelo. They don't eat up any of the same role, really. Um, so there's no reason for me to, or to me for him to cut off that kind of negotiation if it comes back around to it. And then you let the pieces fall where they may you you clear the space however you have to clear it because obviously Alex Petrangelo is the number one if you can get even even after all this if you can get him back on this team he's still the number one player with the possible exception of Ryan O'Reilly that you want on this team and he's critical to the identity and he's still the team captain until he's not anymore um you know all that so maybe it's naive maybe it's wishful thinking it's not entirely though because i'm not i don't feel that warm to alex Petrangelo right now you know i'm if he does it i kind of hope he has to eat some crow in the process honestly um but i could see it and for the blues i mean i just think that's a, a really mouth-watering concept which is you know interesting to think about because armstrong self-reportedly has looked has been talking to other defensemen uh and another forward and, um, you know, I don't know who those are. Presumably he wasn't talking about the Steven Santini signing that we saw today, <laughs> that guy from Minnesota, you know, presumably he met an NHL level guy. Well, well um, supposedly we were in on, uh, we were in on, uh, Corey Perry there. Ooh. Wow. I don't even know if, I don't even know if that's uh, still a thing. He's not signed anywhere yet. Has he? I yeah. Think so. Yeah. I don't think he has. Um, but you know, to me, if I'm if I'm Doug, I sit back and I don't make a move until I know what Petrangelo is doing. Because yeah, I I love I don't love I think Mike Hoffman's a fine player. I think Evgeny Dadanov is probably severely underrated as a free agent. But neither of those guys are game changers, and you're probably going to pay too much for either one of them. And I think if if you can add Alex Petrangelo back into this decor, that that's your team. You know, that's that's a cup contender, um, certainly. Uh, and um, so I think if I'm if I'm Doug Armstrong, I'm sitting, I'm waiting, I'm putting as much press out there, and he did. I don't think there's any denying that this was very purposeful. Uh, that he went and did interviews immediately and said, "Listen, my phone is still." on and I'm I would still love to hear calls from Alex Petrangelo and try and make this work um I'll try to look up the specific of the specifics of what he said um because he uh he was not shy about saying you know I don't it seems very unlikely to me that you'd have to do a lot to to make it work but um you know you've gotta you've gotta try so he says uh 
Even after the Krug, this is Jeremy Rutherford tweeting, even after the Krug signing, Blues GM Doug Armstrong just said he doesn't consider Petrangelo out of the mix, saying he hopes that Petrangelo keeps them in the loop. I don't think this is a realistic scenario, says Jeremy Rutherford. Uh, Armory says that giving a player a no-movement clause gives them more power than the owner. He said that he was willing to give Petrangelo a partial, partial no-movement. Armstrong also said, you never know what happens in the future. We have to get very creative, but Alex has been a great part of this franchise. You never know what happens in the future. What we were trying to do is knock things off as they came, and this one came first. Uh, we didn't talk this morning. We had some really good conversations into last evening, and we just couldn't get anything done. So he was going to hit the market, and I said, keep us in the loop. And I still hope he does keep us in the loop. You'd have to get creative. The likelihood isn't great. But if I ever got the call that he wanted to see if we could make it work, I'd certainly put pen to paper and see if there was a way we could do it. That, to me, is Armstrong saying this door, you know, I'm, Jeremy Rutherford can say it's unlikely, and it is unlikely. But that, to me, is Armstrong, who is not a guy that talks to the press a ton, um, very openly saying, listen, I'm here. There's still a spot for you. This door isn't closed. I don't think he's begging, you know, <laughs> but, but I, think, I think he's very intentionally saying there's, this door is open if other things don't work out, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was I like, just, you got you to gotta try. Like, it's funny for as much um... – as much negotiating as supposedly has happened. It's just funny that at the end of the day, it's still like, Hey man, we, you know, no hard feelings and we still want you. We understand that you gotta, you gotta see what's out there. I'm just always surprised when they actually, I get that he couldn't actually fly to Vegas and look at stuff uh, prior mm -hmm. to being UFA, but it is always funny when they're like, they need to, they, they want to see what the other offers are. And I'm like, you gotta, I know it's illegal quote unquote, but I'm sure <laughs> they've talked to you or you're aware yeah. of what people will be offering, which I was, so when he got on a plane to fly to Vegas, I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> okay. He really does want to walk around. That was, I'm, I'm over it now, but that was like the most infuriating thing before we even got crew where like uh, of yesterday was when we were getting all these tweets from different people going, you know, I've talked to Alex Petrangelo and it seems like he's really just wants to take his time. So this is probably going to take a couple of days. And I was like, God damn it. Just sign with somebody, <laughs> get it over with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at the current cap situations of teams, um, you know, you've got the Vancouver Canucks are kind of the tipping point in terms of teams that potentially have the money to sign him without additional moves to clear space. You know, there's a the uh, Hurricanes and everyone above them have five points eight million or less and the Canucks and everyone below them have 7.9 million or more. But then you're talking about the Canucks, the Blackhawks, the Flyers, the Islanders, the Stars, uh, the Avalanche, the Panthers, the Bruins now. I mean, there's a lot of teams in there that don't either don't have the reason to sign him or don't have, um, you know, the um, aren't going to appeal to him. I don't think he's going to go to Boston. You know, I don't, I don't think he has any interest. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, the one wild card out there is Columbus because they have cleared a ton of cap space and they do have Yarmo Kikalainen who drafted Petrangelo and Brad Shaw, uh, the defensive coach who he's really close with. I would keep an eye on them. But again, like, why would you go sign with Columbus if 
if there's an offer from the Blues still, you know, like, are you really going to take that downgrade and overall team? I know Columbus has been a playoff team the last two years, but a very fringe one. And they don't have enough going on there for Petra to be the thing that pushes them over the top, I don't think, you know. I don't know. It's We can move on to the draft and some other things, but to me it's just a situation that is still very fluid, and I, I really genuinely don't think that Army is just blowing smoke. You know, I really do think he's saying, look, if the offers aren't out there and what you thought – I'm still willing to try and do this. I'd still love to have you back on this team. And honestly, I, you know, last week and the week before that, we were pretty anti-Doug pro Petro. Uh, and I've completely flipped. I would say that, the, you know, if this, if Petro goes somewhere else, it's on him. And then that's not a blame thing. I'm not, I don't hate Alex Petrangelo, but like to me, you're welcome to disagree this, as you, as you mentioned in the notes, seems like his agency kind of screwed him over, put him in a bad position, tried to negotiate through the media, and none of that worked and got him what he thought he deserved or what he wanted. Maybe there were hard feelings with the Fox signing and stuff like that. I don't know. Uh, but now it seems like he's in a position where there are very limited teams that both have the money to get him and would appeal to him. And he's not going to get anywhere near top dollar because, uh, and, you know, with the addition of the, obviously the pandemic, which has changed everything, he's not going to get anywhere near top dollar. It's, it's, I think they've just vastly overestimated like what the money was available out there for them. And it's, yeah. it's kind of surprising just because it feels like everyone else seemed to know except for them. And I, and <laughs> maybe they did know, but I get that's kind of like the duty of being like an agency or you know a player agency is like you just kind of have to hope and pray you know you got to start high so you got to say you know what there's money out there for us we got to believe that because if we don't we're going to get we're going to get you know undersold so that's kind of just I think that's just the nature of the beast and unfortunately uh, a bit back yeah so we'll see I mean I I, obviously if Alex Petrangelo signs with the blues, I think we would probably have occasion to have a kind of impromptu shorter podcast and, mm-hmm. and discuss what that does to the team and, and how they're going to do that with uh, the cap situation there. You know, this has not been a year and maybe this isn't a surprise given everything going on, but this has not been a year where free agency was basically wrapped up by one thirty on free agency day. Um, a lot of really still impact players out there. Uh, And, you know, I I will say one last thing about free agency in general. I do think that Armstrong, if Petrangelo doesn't work out, is going to look to do a couple more things. I don't think he's done. And I think the Krug, the Krug signing does signal to him, to me that he recognizes, and this was my biggest concern uh, that he recognizes that this is not the same team without Petrangelo and he has to do some major work to keep it competitive in a, in a loaded Western conference. Um, and I'm glad of that. You know, I'm really, I'm, I'm glad to see that because if he just let Petrangelo walk and kind of sat there and twiddled his thumbs, that would have really upset me. And so I'm glad to see him taking action uh, even as the captain is potentially leaving. Any last thoughts on any of that before we move on to the draft? Um, I think I'm just – I'm curious to see what he gets because at this point I find it very hard to believe that he's going to get this perfect nine mil 
a year for the next seven years from Vegas, done, you know, bonuses, yada, yada, exactly what we needed because I would feel like that would have happened already. So I'm just, I think it'll be, I think it'll be something we're not expecting, whether it's a shorter contract or it's to a team we didn't think of, or he goes back to the blues. I just don't think it's going to be as simple as, yep, Vegas for the contract he wanted, the end. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see. Uh, We'll know. Maybe we won't know. I don't know. This could take a while. (laughs) Um, You know, Taylor Hall, the other top free agent still out there. We're going to talk about other free agents in a bit. Um, But yeah, there's still very much uh, work to be done in the NHL. One thing that is not left on the agenda, though, is the entry draft, which finally took place um, for uh, in October, as you expect that it always would. And of course, uh, I did a fair amount of looking at who the Blues might take in the first and third round and was nowhere near close on any of it. So that's uh, go me, you know, but um, <laughs> I think we both feel this is an underwhelming draft overall, uh, which is only concerning because it's our first without Bill Armstrong um, in a long time. And so, you know, you worry a little bit about losing that guy who's structuring your draft. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, got awful. They didn't do what, you know, the Blue Jackets did and draft some guy nobody's ever heard of in the first round. Um, So, (laughs) you know, let's talk about it. Let's get into the Blues stayed put, didn't do anything in the first round, drafted where they were supposed to. Um, And then beyond that, they did some moving and mostly moving down and picking up some picks um, in this draft and in the future. But, um, you know, they drafted uh, Jake Neighbors, in the first round, who's a left wing of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Is that right in the WHO? Yep. I think that's correct. Correct. Um, he's a 5'11", 202-pound guy, kind of your sort of prototypical power forward type, which is not necessarily what I'd draft in a league that seems to be moving away from those. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you've got a quote here. Is this Pronman who said this? Um, or is this just I don't know. Here? This is off their website. Okay. Uh, Jake Neighbors played the last three seasons with the Edmonton Oil Kings with the Western Hockey League. Last season, Neighbors posted 23 goals, 47 assists, 70 points in 64 games. The 18-year-old left winger is a deceptively fast player who likes to get in on the forecheck, according to Dover Prospects. He plays with an edge and knows how to operate in any role offensively. Um, Pronman added... Neighbors was an important part of Edmonton's team, scoring more than a point per game. He's a very smart player. He played the flank on Edmonton's power play one and showed the ability to make NHL caliber plays in all situations. Uh, He's got decent hands. Uh, Bullet of a shot, scored several goals the past season. The goalies have little to no chance on, competes hard, doesn't shy away from physical engagement. I could see him becoming a quality bottom six forward in the NHL, and that's what he kind of sucks and don't want to hear. And if he gains a step, he says, I could see him becoming more than that. Um, Yeah, I think I don't have any problems with Jake Neighbors. I think it's a a pick that fits the Blues system really well as a contributor um, and their style. And, you know, it's it's kind of reminiscent of a Dimitri Askin where it's that kind of later first round pick who – uh, maybe as an elite on the talent scale, maybe your next Marion Hosa type, you know, <laughs> but um, I just, I kind of struggle with where they picked him. Um, you know, I think it's, it's fair to say it sounds like they wanted 
um, just from one of the quotes Armstrong talked about, you know, there were two guys they were interested in, or he talked about like um, something like there was a guy they were interested in that they would have had to trade way up for. Um, that was, that, then, was uh, which, that was uh, Alex Lepreniere, <laughs> Alexei yeah. Lepreniere. Like we, <laughs> yeah, if, really, we were really interested. We were we kicking tried, the tires. We had to run at it. I do wonder actually genuinely if that was uh, Askarov, the goalie who the Predators ended up picking around 10th or 11th. Yeah, it was super um, interesting to see where he went, and it was, it was unfortunate yeah. that was to the Preds. Yeah, we'll talk about him, I'm sure. We'll do a little don't, – don't let me forget to do a little bit of a, like, first-round recap. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think there was – the second part of that quote was something like, and then when the 25th pick was made, Neighbors was still there and we had to make it, and I think – the implication there that he said without saying it is that they were really hoping that I think it's Justin Barron who the avalanche took at 25 uh, fell to him. And let me just say real quick, it's fucking stupid that (laughs) your season final standings overrule. How can a team that went two rounds further than you draft earlier than you that I do not get that that's a stupid rule and the NHL should change it they, they um, changed like everything means, else this this postseason yeah. and they were like no 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 but this will be the same uh, just so dumb but anyway I mean I'm not you know I'm not bitter I'm not angry about You're it not but I'm not bitter about it I don't care really but it's just dumb uh so when Baron went off the board they took neighbors my concern is if you're if you're dead set on taking this kid he's probably going to be there in the second round trade back Maybe they couldn't. Maybe they loved him too much to risk trading back. I don't know. But it's just not a pick that wows me. Do you have any thoughts on him? Yeah, like, I mean, from what I could tell from different folks that had seen more of him, it seemed like a lot of he does he does everything um, above average, like mm-hmm. aside from aside from like, I guess, like skate speed a little bit. It was like everything else above average. You know, really solid player. Um, what was the what was the comparison again to? Oh, uh, Milan Lucic originally. Mil- yeah, Milan Lucic. I'm like, oh, I, I don't want to hear that right now. And I think they even <laughs> I think they even knew what they were saying or how that would be perceived because they're like, you know, a great power forward for the Bruins and the Cup win and all this other stuff. It's like, okay, um, I'm sure he can adjust. And I'm sure you know, just being a big body doesn't mean that you have to be like this power forward from like 2003 or whatever but um it's i i don't know there's something to me about whenever they talk extensively about the player's size that might not be the only thing that's good about them i'm sure it's not for him um and so it's maybe just a a misrepresentation but like they will be like oh great size just a really good size and then they'll talk about everything else afterwards and i'm like man i as long as he's over like five ten, you know, five ten or taller, I don't really care. You know, you can make a point yeah. of it. Point of it if he's smaller than that, but I'm like, eh, not not a big thing for me. Not an elite. He's got an elite size, um, unless he's like again, you know, under five ten or he's over like I don't know six three. You know, you love like, elite oh. size. Ian, wait till our next pick. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's. It seems like a fine pick. It seems like um, he's kind of projected to be kind of your middle six player. Like I think we ended up on a second in the second line role. He'd be it'd be an excellent pick. I think he's probably going to be more of like your third line sort of guy, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, you'll you'll have guys like that. You kind of hope that you'll find those guys later in the draft, um, and they'll kind of fill out that role, and that your earlier picks will be kind of higher up in the higher up in your uh, team. But 
that's that's fine. And he, the first thing I thought of, honestly, when they did the profile of him, uh, I was barely listening, and I was like, you know what? This seems like a Tage Thompson sort of dude. This seems like a this <laughs> so, seems like a we try him a little bit. A he looks contract extension. Yeah, you know what? So, you know, you get yours, Jake Neighbors. <laughs> um, <laughs> and maybe he's not, but I was just like, you know, this could, this seems like a guy that I think will be on the team for a little bit at very least, and we'll we'll see what he does then. He's you know a little a little ways off, but uh, wasn't an off wasn't an awful pick. But I think we get a little spoiled. Um, with our with our Robbie Fabries and our our Robert Thomases and Jordan Kyrus and things like that, that sometimes you get a player and like, yeah, this guy will be all right, and you're like, just all right. What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I don't have, you know, I I want him to succeed. Maybe he evolves and and does great. Uh, who knows? Um, but not something that jumped off the page at me as like, ooh, I'm really excited about this guy and. And I was biased because I really wanted like a, I wanted kind of an upside play on like a Paterka who is still there. Uh, but there's a lot more risk with a Paterka who, you know, of, of just being an actual bust who doesn't ever make an NHL level. I think that's one of the positives you can say about Jake Neighbors is there's not a lot of doubt that he's a future NHL player, um, which is no guarantee late in the first round. Um, and so, you know, it's just kind of quite how good does he profile and, you can always you can always have a guy uh, kind of evolve and, and do better than than you expect, you know. So yeah. hopefully that'll happen. The Blues didn't pick again until the third round. They didn't move up um, into the second at all. They had the 86th and 88th pick. I don't think they did initially. I think this is one of the picks they traded. Um, but I'll double check that. But in any case, they took Dylan Peterson with. Um, the 86th pick, which is not easy for me to say. Um, that uh, is a forward from the uh, development team, the U.S. development team that's committed to Boston University for the 2020-21 season. Uh, I assume you know that he will play there and that they won't. I guess he will have to because he can't go to the AHL. Um, but he's an 18-year-old from Roseville, California, says he models this game after Joe Thornton, which, you know, great. David Perron will be happy to meet you. Uh, and he <laughs> has represented the U.S. national team over the last two seasons with seven goals, 15 assists uh, in 50 games. Obviously, the headline breaker grabber here is that he's uh, six foot four and 192 pounds. Um, so he is a, a, a big guy. He's uh, that kind of game-breaking size that you just talked about um let me look at what uh what deals we made here i guess this this was the jake allen pick here mm -hmm. um so there's your trivia question for future years if dylan peterson becomes a superstar um <laughs> i don't know i don't know a ton about this guy uh Promen said his numbers may not wow you on initial glance but he's a player with a very intriguing two-old kit who showed progression during his time at the NTDP, has great athletic tools as, his, as he measures in at six foot four and can skate quite well for his side size. Good. Uh, what he's added to his game is how he uses his side size, hard on the pucks, attacks the net, doesn't shy away from the physical parts of his game. Um, so, you know, we're just adding a lot of physicality and grit in this one, in this uh, first two picks, and that's fine, I suppose. Um, 
Any thoughts on Peterson specifically before we move on to uh, undoubtedly our best named pick of the draft? <laughs> um, yeah, again, oh, Roseville, California. Really? Mm-hmm. I know I have a friend from Roseville, Minnesota, and I was very excited for a moment. Um, you know, I think scoop. <laughs> I, I like taking, um, I like taking forwards high, like we, and especially, I know you don't really want to draft for need, but it does feel like while we have a fair amount of forwards, we don't necessarily have, um, some of the, I guess some of the skill coming down the pipeline that we would like at that, at that, uh, those positions. So it's sort of like, I, I enjoy getting a center. Uh, mm-hmm. This quote-unquote high in the draft, you know, second, our second pick, even if it's in the third round. Um, so yeah, I mean that alone and six foot four center, yeah, that's kind of crazy. You would have to model yourself after Joe Thornton. I don't know many other six foot four centers. Uh, you're not gonna. You had, but who is the one guy that used to play in uh, in Arizona? Hansel. Oh, uh, Wasn't that Hansel, dude like yeah. six five mm-hmm. or whatever? I'm like, you're not gonna pick him. <laughs> so I I model myself after uh, Joe Thornton. <laughs> keep your shirt That's on right. keep your shirt on Tom. yeah they never model themselves after anyone exciting either uh we got a lot of that you know blues blues fans will love that uh jake neighbors said he models his game after uh matthew kachuk and it's like uh-huh. yeah because he's not that elitist skater and he's physical in the forecheck so matthew i, I love it yeah, I love that because people, um, people were already eating that up. They're like, oh, that's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Uh, two picks after Peterson, we took Leo Luf, which yes. uh, no question he has the best name. Uh, Swedish defenseman lefty from Sweden, as Swedish defensemen usually are. Uh, he uh, looked like one of the top defensemen in his age group a year ago but didn't have a great draft season, says uh, Promman. He has size, he competes well, and he has some skill, but he doesn't make a ton of plays, and his skating is average. Uh, but the Blues say he's considered a big defender who uses his size and can contribute on the power play. Uh, he's a technically refined stick handler with poison a sound mechanical base from elite prospects. He's tough as nails along the boards and in front of his own net, dominating his opponents with, a strong, with strong reads and heavy hits. Um, Linus Luf, Leo's twin brother, was also draft eligible, but was not taken. So perhaps uh, we'll take him in a future year. Who knows? But uh, any thoughts on Leo Luf? I love the name. Um, I hope he doesn't have a muffin shot. Oh, that he's no uh, David Noel. Don't put David don't Noel. put that evil on him, Ian. Wasn't that his name? No, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I've I've just completely forgotten him. <laughs> you should have as well you should have uh the um oh you're much louder now sorry i had to take out my headphones uh they were dying much like this draft is dying on the vine the blues took tanner dickinson in the fourth round pick 119 a speedy center from perrysburg ohio he was ranked number 67 amongst North American skaters by NHL Central Scouting. Uh, he didn't play a ton, but when he did, he used his speed with extreme expect- effectiveness. Explosive skating led to a few rushes and net drives. Last season, Dickinson recorded nine goals and 31 assists in 64 games with the Sioux Greyhounds in the OHL. Uh, Corey Pronman adds, he's been a solid junior player and shows the ability to make plays with the puck. 
I don't see much about his game that jumps off the page. He has average size and speed, and I would call his skill level good, but nothing amazing. So doesn't agree with that take that he has explosive speed. Uh, Matthew Kessel is a right-handed defenseman from the National Development Program, I believe. No relation that I could ascertain to um, the uh, Kessel family. Uh, oh, excuse me. He was from UMass Amherst and before that the USHL. He led all defensemen with seven goals at UMass Amherst, which is very impressive. Uh, <laughs> his first collegiate season, Kessel posted seven goals and four assists in 34 games prior to going to UMass. He played three seasons in the USHL. He's 6'3", he's 203 pounds. Uh, I thought right-handed defenseman was a pretty clear need for the Blues coming into this, and I don't think this is who I had in mind, but whatever. Um, Kessel's a big defenseman who competes hard, has some puck-moving skill, and has a big point shot. His mobility needs work, and the offense in this game isn't overly significant, according to Bronman. I'll just go ahead and read these last two, and then uh, have you just kind of give any thoughts you have on the rest of them, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, Will Cranley's a goalie from uh, the OHL's Ottawa 67s, posted a 2.81 goals against average and an 8.94 save percentage, which sounds bad, but isn't necessarily awful in juniors, especially if you're a backup. Uh, he posted a shutout streak of 159 minutes and 36 seconds in January, the second longest all time by an Ottawa goalie. So good for him. And uh, Promise, that's like Cranley's size, poise, sense, and character. And they thought he kept getting better as the season went along. His so-so re so -so rebound control is an issue, and he doesn't have great lateral quickness. And finally, uh, there was Noah Beck, who's something of an also-ran, spent last season with the Fargo Force, which is a great team name, 6'3", 192, posting four goals and 23 assists in 42 games. He's set to play with Clarkson University this season. How do we grade this year's draft? Uh, I give it like a C minus D. Prompton gave it a C minus Nothing in there impressed me. Uh, it doesn't seem like anybody in that group has really high upside. And, you know, even, uh, even if you're going to take like a Jake Neighbors in the first round, it'd be nice to kind of take that guy in the third who's like, this guy might be a bust, probably is a bust, but has the potential to be a megastar sort of thing, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, just kind of overall kind of dull to me and, and nothing really to get excited about. Did you feel any differently? No, not really. I think reading through um, a lot of the different analyses that I could find online, it was just, it was a little disappointing because I was like, oh, I don't know too much about some of these guys. And when I was looking back at some of the second round coverage or the, the second day coverage, I was like, oh, okay. You know, these, uh, the panel doesn't seem to have much to say about some of these players and obviously they're later round picks. So what are you going to say? But yeah, looking into what some of the, the, people in the media that know a lot more about prospects, it seemed like it was kind of like, eh, these guys all seem fine, uh, which is too bad because you'd like to hear about a few, you know, a few hidden gems like, oh, I can't believe this guy fell, you know, so low or like, oh, yeah, but it seemed kind of like, eh, you're, I also didn't feel like we were like grabbing to draft for like a specific need necessarily, which I mean, is good. Hopefully it means we've got everything we we want and you don't really draft for need because these guys are two, three years away anyways, but it just felt like 
we were kind of picking all over the board in terms of we got some defense and we got some centers. We got a goalie. It seems like we're sticking to our at least one goalie per, per draft, which makes sense. But yeah, overall, I just felt kind of like a middling. I was really going to say, yeah, like a C. We we're just kind of like, this is fine. This is okay. It felt kind of, it felt kind of underwhelming, especially given the fact of how much they talked about was being a deep draft. And there was a lot of people um, trading picks even for just next season where they're like, Hey, we'll trade next season's picks or next uh, drafts picks for more picks this draft, because this draft is so deep and next year's draft is super shallow, you know? So it was sort of like, uh, if we kind of missed out on picks in this draft of a deep draft, it feels a little disappointing. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I guess we'll see how it turns out. That's uh, something you always get to say with the draft. You never really know how it goes until five or, or you know, even longer years later. But um, it's nothing that blows your mind for sure at this point. So mm -hmm. um, that's that. Uh, I thought I had one more draft thing to say, but I forget what it was. So, oh, do you want to go through like the top or like the top 10 or something like that? So smart. Uh, no surprise, Alexi Lafreniere went to the New York Rangers. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings chose Quentin Byfield over the uh, German prospect Tim Stutzla. Uh, I think that's the right call. Byfield, obviously, a center and Stutzla, a winger. Uh, Byfield became the highest drafted black player in league history, which is great to see in a league that's had uh, such a, you know, public struggle with, with equality and, and race this year and, and continues to. Um, Tim Stutzla went to the Senators, who also got Jake Sanderson at five. Uh, you know, it sucks that with two lottery picks, they ended up with three and five. Obviously, if they could have gotten one and two, that would have been pretty fantastic. Um, but, you know, I think no one's going to be upset about getting Stutzla and, and Sanderson. That's a, a big addition to your team. Lucas Raven to the Red Wings. Jamie Drysdale, defenseman to the Anaheim Ducks. The New Jersey Devils got Alexander Holtz. And the Buffalo Sabres got Jack Quinn instead of Marco Rossi, which I know was not popular. The Minnesota Wild instead got Marco Rossi. Uh, and Cole Perfetti went to the Winnipeg Jets. Those are all kind of top OHL guys. Uh, then the Yaroslav Askarov, as we already mentioned, went to the Nashville Predators, which you hate to see. Um, Carolina, I'm, I'm surprised, didn't try to trade up and get him. I think that would have been their obvious need, um, but they didn't do it. Uh, Germany had another uh, forward go, Lucas Reichel, to the Blackhawks in the 17th spot. Braden Schneider, who is a guy I think we talked about last week that I liked to be a Blues pick, went to the Red Wing or Rangers at 19, which I, I just think the Red Rangers had an overall really, really good draft. Um, I think they got one other pick in the first, but I can't find it now, so maybe I'm making it up. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the... Chinakov or Chinakov pick by the uh, Blue Jackets was way off the board. Um, the Avalanche took Justin Barron right before us. And then the names that you're going to kind of want to look out for if uh, Jake Neighbors becomes an unimpressive player are Jacob Perot, Ridley Grieg, uh, which is not a name I ever hope to see again. Uh, Brendan Brisson 
and Maverick Bork, which is a phenomenal name, um, and Ozzy Weissblatt all rounded out the first round um, with the San Jose Sharks signing his name because his mother is is hearing impaired or deaf, which was a really cool touch. Yeah, that was really cool. So that was the first round. And then you had some guys like uh, John John Jason Paterka and, um, you know, some other good players fall into the second round. William Willinder. Um, I really like Sam Colangelo, who the Ducks got in the fifth pick in the second round. Uh, and then, you know, the two Russian centers that I thought the Blues might be interested in, Marat Kuznetsov, Kuznetsov went to Minnesota at 37. And the, um, let me find the other name on here. Where is it? Where is it? Uh, Vasily Ponomarev went to the Carolina Hurricanes at 53. And Ryan O'Rourke, who I uh, joked about the Blues drafting, but I actually like as a prospect, went to the Minnesota Wild at 39. So Minnesota Wild got all the prospects I wanted. So good for them. A plus. Any any uh, final draft thoughts overall? Anything uh, you want to say before we move on? I'll be interested to see. Um, I guess we'll see what we do with the with the prospect pyramid. But I'd be interested to see what that looks like this year because yeah, I do good. feel I just do feel like we have a lot of players, but the quality of them is is all right. It's uh-huh. All right. But I'm looking. I'm looking like we might need a couple, a couple big hits coming down the line. Hopefully, that's uh, to me. And I, I guess we can do um, that uh, pretty soon now, which is exciting. Um, but to me, that's one of the one of the arguments for trading a Schwartz or Pareko, um, is that we're a team that's aging quickly, and we sure don't have uh, an obvious. Um, prospect or anybody that is going to be a great player uh coming in the down the pipes and i just think that's uh something you might want to address but we'll see i suppose shall we look at uh some nhl uh news some free agency frenzy oh, stuff oh well there is news sorry no new news all things you and i have already talked about oh, or yeah. seen before but, but... Not on here not oh not on here though and not on dry land. All right, so um, this link will lead you to Sportsnet's page, where you can sort by team, and you can yeah. see if someone was a free agent or re-signed. It's perfect. It's mucho, mucho gusto. Um, I think, as as the uh, as the Spaniards would say. I traded. Uh, I started with the trades page, uh, going back to October second when the Senators acquired Josh Brown on their quest to get everyone named Brown. All the Browns. Organization. Uh, the Sharks got Ryan Donato and Devin Dubnik in separate trades for reasons, um, both from the Minnesota Wild. They even they even swapped which side the Sharks were on on this page. <laughs> Just to make it feel fun. Um, yeah, the Montreal Canadiens, I'm sure we'll talk about, talk about traded Max Domi in a third round pick for Josh Anderson and then paid the moon for him. Josh Anderson, I'm sure, is a good NHL player, but he just seems to me like one of these guys that comes around every once in a while that the league goes gaga over, and I don't quite get it, you know? Maybe yeah, it's he- like I've come around to how much they, everyone likes him now, and I'm like, Why? 
but even as much as people like him, weren't a lot of people still like, oh, that's signing though. That's pretty suspicious. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, uh, speaking the trade of, is slightly suspicious, but whatever. Yeah. Speaking of uh, suspicious signings, Matt Murray to the Ottawa Senators um, for uh, Penguins and, or for the Penguins, to, uh, from the Penguins for Jonathan Gruden, who is a, a throw-in defenseman and a second-round pick. We'll talk about Ottawa's uh, contract extension in a minute, but open the door, get on the floor, and everybody hit the cap floor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, Nick Bonino, a cap dump to the Minnesota Wild with a second and third-round pick for Luke Coonan, the St. Louisan who has struggled to establish himself in the NHL, and a fourth-round pick. Uh, that one of those second round picks may have been used on one of those prospects I liked. I guess it was probably the Ryan O'Rourke pick. Elias Anderson from the Rangers to the Kings. They get a second round pick back. Cliff Poo and Marcus Nudivara. Uh, funny name prospects switching home. <laughs> Eric Goodbranson acquired by the Ottawa Senators who look like they're trying to be a team this year, uh, even though their logo is a throwback to the 90s. Um, Ryan Murray. I would say a shockingly low return for Ryan Murray, who I don't think is phenomenal, but I don't think he's bad. And I think a really, really great acquisition by the Rangers for just a, by the Devils, excuse me, for just a fifth round pick. We talked, uh, touched on the Stastny trade back to the Winnipeg Jets, who were really sore to lose him um, when mm. they did two years ago as a free agent. Uh, they traded Carl Dahlstrom and uh, fourth round pick for Stastny. Austin Watson um, is no longer a predator, but remains a predator uh, and is traded to the Ottawa Senators um, for a fourth round pick. Joey Anderson and Andreas Janssen got swapped. I think we talked about that on air. Maybe it was right before. And then uh, Brandon Saad, the one, the most interesting, maybe just uh, a couple hours ago, Brandon Saad, uh, to the Colorado Avalanche, essentially in exchange for Nikita Zadorov. There was uh, one kind of uh, nobody piece going to each side there too, but uh, that one's an interesting one. I think Sod is a nice little depth addition for the Avalanche. I believe the Blackhawks retained uh, a bit of salary, a mm -hmm. uh, million dollars or something, but uh, weird. I don't know. It's it's good. It's good for them, but... Um, I'm not totally sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I guess that makes sense. I, for Colorado, I suppose just because they, I know Zadora had been someone they were sort of trading almost every year, but like, and then sadly you said a good depth uh, scoring piece for the avalanche who really don't need to shake anything up when it comes to their core and like who they have on that team. And they were, you know, they were, so close anyways to being able to moving on uh, in these Stanley Cup playoffs. And I think they're going to be probably the strongest team in the Central um, again next year and moving forward for the next however many years. And I think just being able to kind of believe in your core and believe in what they're doing and then just kind of swap the pieces underneath them is, has proven um, successful for the last three or four uh, Stanley Cup champions here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into these free agency signings. We'll just go by team as far as I'm concerned and just kind mm. of skim through them quickly. The Anaheim Ducks uh, brought in Kevin Shattenkirk, our old friend Stanley Cup champion Kevin Shattenkirk, to the tune of three years, $11.7 million. I'm happy for Kevin. 
Uh, it sucks that he waited so long to go to his childhood dream and play for the Rangers and that that didn't work out for him. But he signs a one-year prove-it deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and is an integral part of helping them become Stanley Cup champions and then gets to go join, uh, you know, a, a, not a good team, I would say, <laughs> but a team that needed defensive help and is in a, a gorgeous location, you know, and gets to make $12 million to do it for three years. Not a bad life. You know, he, he hit the hit the pinnacle of hockey, and now he's there. Good for him. Uh, Back with his buddy David Backus. There you go. I don't know if they were buddies, but they sure played together. To think about. Um, Derek Grant, I believe, signed with the Ducks for like the 45th time. That's, that's it. That's it, Bob Murray. That's the squeaky wheel that needed the grease. You had to get Derek Grant back. Uh, three years, $4.5 I'll be saying the total. Um and, you know, unless I state otherwise, so that is not a 4.5 million AAV. Um, Do your own math. <laughs> the Arizona Coyotes signed Tyler Pitlick uh, to a two-year deal at a $3.5 million total. And they brought in jo Johan Larson uh, for two years, $2.8 million. There are some people signed in free agency this year who I know nothing about. And Johan oh, yeah. was one of them. Uh, Kevon Miller went back to the uh, Boston Bruins for one year at $1.25 million. Then they signed Craig Smith, who apparently was a Nashville Predator and 20 goal scorer for three years at $3.1 million. Um, the Bruins are an interesting team right now, I think. I mean, without Krug, Chara is, you know, who knows if he comes back. Um, Krejci's on the final year of his deal. I think they may finally be entering some sort of transitionary period. Um, and so, uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see. The Buffalo Sabres. Uh, there you go. Never change. Uh, oh, God. I, I honestly feel so terrible. All right. <laughs> These people, these fans, we have some friends out there. Matt Irwin and Tobias Reeder each get an entry-level deal, essentially. Zemgis Gergensen signs a three-year extension at $6.6 .6 million. Cody Eakin, two years for $4.5 million. And Brandon Montour, one-year contract, sort of a prove-it deal at $3.85 million. I mean, nothing in there is harmful necessarily, but just what are you doing? You know, what's the direction for those guys? Um, you slotting is this Jack Eichel, Eric Stahl, followed by Cody Eakin? Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, that's not bad. It's just a weird, just a, a very extremely weird mishmash of humans. Sure is. It sure is. Uh, Jacob Markstrom, one of the big splashes on free agency day, six years and six million dollars to move southeast. Uh, I guess northeast, northeast to. Um, the Calgary Flames. I think this is not going to solve things in Calgary, but I think it's a it's a sensible move. I guess it's probably not. You're signing him for six years. That's too long. You should have done four by seven. But you know, whatever. Um, I think it's a good move for the short term. Um, yeah, think. it helps now, but like four or five, six years down the line, it's like oh, woof. And I think Vancouver was very smart to not give Markstrom six by six when they have uh, Demko there looking to take the next step. And I actually even like what they did 
uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. Christopher Tanev joins the um, Flames after leaving the Canucks also, right? Mm-hmm, correct. Um, <laughs> didn't you like my confidence on this? He's not <laughs> the one that was bought out though, right? Or was he? No, I think that was Troy Stetcher. That's Stetcher, right, right, right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, four years, $18 million. Uh, so not a bad deal for him. That's a good dollar value. And then they bring in Louis Domingue, presumably to, well, I guess not back up Markstrom because they still have Riddich unless they're going to trade Riddich, which is another player teams would probably rather have than Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's the Flames. I think there's still a lot to be done to change things in Calgary, but uh, that's a start. The auto, the Carolina Hurricanes got Jesper Faust from the Rangers for three years at $6 million. Not a bad little depth piece. They don't need a lot but a goaltender, but they just don't seem all that interested in getting a goaltender. Mm-hmm. Um, so good for them, I guess. The Blackhawks just took care of some internal business, extending Malcolm Subban for $1.7 million and two years, and Dominic Kubalik, the uh, Calder Trophy finalist, for two years with a cap hit of $3.7 million. That's a smart signing for them because last year was bullshit, and he's nowhere near that good. And um, I think it's smart for them to keep that short and not commit to him long-term without Yeah, I was like, give him the triad deal. I like that. I mean, I like that. It's kind of like that Bennington thing we talked about. Like, you had an incredible season. You deserve to get recognized for it and make some money. But I want to see continued results before I commit, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, Chicago's goaltending is going to be legendarily bad next year. Stan Bowman says he's confident in it. Uh, well, he's confident in a lot. Um the Avalanche did some, you know, kind of low-level re-signing, nothing important. Valerian Nechushkin and Andre Burakovsky did re-sign. I don't think those details are official yet. I think I saw Burakovsky's was pretty affordable. Um, but then they also had the, the sod edition that we just talked about. The Blue Jackets brought in Miko Koivu on a one-year $1.5 million deal. I'm glad to see that because, uh, you know, they don't, totally get boned and I didn't see that they extended Domi for two years at ten at 5.3 million cap hit that's uh nice I think that's another one where it's like I'm not totally sold uh you know so we're gonna give you some money and help you earn it further Mm -hmm. stars got Anton Kudobin to stay for three years at 10 million dollars too much too long dumb uh but I guess he took you to the Stanley Cup final so what are you gonna do uh, not that is the answer. That's <laughs> Just too old for that. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's too long a deal for him at his age. The um, Red Wings re-signed Taro Hirose and Adam Ern, uh, or Ernie, I don't know how you say it, and then brought in Bobby Ryan. Bobby, Bobby boy, you could have come to a good team. You locked yourself back in the cellar, to quote our friend Justin, uh, who made me laugh very heartily with that. Um you like sit down there. Yeah, I must. It's dark. It's cold. It's away from the people. Uh, Ottawa was dark and cold and away from people, though, and he didn't stay there. So, you know. Uh, Thomas Grice signs two years, $7.2 million to be uh, slaughtered behind the Red Wings defense. 
uh, it's not enough. There's nowhere near enough money in the world to be the Red Wings goaltender right now, but good for Grice to get a payday and presumably get the opportunity to be a starter before he retires. Who's their um, other goalie? Bernier? Bernier, I guess they still okay. have. Because yeah. Howard, they're not resigning Howard, they said. Okay, gotcha. Troy Stetcher, two years, 3.4 million. We just talked about him. Buyout, um, but not you know, bought out because the contract was bad, not because he's a terrible, worthless player. Uh, The Edmonton Oilers, I really like what they did. Uh, They brought in, finally, Jesse Puglia-Yarvi, which is the most anticlimactic end to that saga imaginable. Uh, He's back. Presumably the former number two, number three overall pick. Wasn't he like Uh, four? Four, I guess, yeah, because that was because they took uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, uh, yeah. and he was like, his face was like, excuse me. Yeah, uh, but he finally returns. I'm still, honestly, wouldn't be shocked to see them trade him. Uh, but um, <laughs> gotcha. Say, uh, hopefully, he can play with Connor McDavid and be a star. Kyle Turris, I really love this signing for them. Uh, Turles was bought out by the Predators. Uh, he's had good numbers. I just think it never, it never fit. It was always a mess in Columbus or Columbus, Nashville. Two years, three point three million total. So just a one point six five million dollar cap hit uh, for a guy that's proven he's a, a top six player in the past. Um, I just think that's smart. You know, I think it's safe, and I think it's smart. Uh, they brought in Anton Forsberg, who's going to be presumably a, a third goalie. Tyler Ennis, they retained for a one-year, $1 million deal. They brought in Tyson Berry for a one-year, $3.75 million deal. And they brought in Mike Smith for a two, one-year, $2 million deal. And I know nobody liked the Mike Smith signing. I just don't – what are you going to do? You know, they didn't get Markstrom. Um, and I don't think you want Markstrom for six years at $6 million per. So – to me, that's just kind of fine, I guess. I don't know. What do you think about what they did there? Yeah, I think with Mike Smith, it's just – I feel like Edmonton Edmonton fans have seen enough personally. I think they're just like, we, we don't need it anymore, Mike Smith. But, again, I don't know what your other options are. I don't know what their, what their goalie pipeline looks like, but they have – who's their other goalie? Um, Koskinen. Koskinen, yeah. It's like – I don't think you uh, you can't do Koskinen and some rookie back there. So it's like, I think Mike Smith might just be the only option you had. But like you said, it makes more sense than to sign Markstrom for that long. Um, I think there's still some other goalies out there. I feel like they said Edmonton was thinking about, I don't even know if he's a UFA necessarily, but maybe a trade with um, the Islanders to get Varlamov up there or something like that, I thought I heard. So I don't know if... I don't know. It's a one-year, two million. I guess they are saying this is it for them. But I, if I was an Edmonton fan, I would have hoped they got a little more creative. I suppose. Yeah, for sure. But I do. At like least when it comes to goaltending. Yeah, some of the other moves they made are are cost-effective, short-term, um, and it adds some adds some immediate impact. Florida did a lot of stuff. Um, big move was adding Radko Gudas for three years at seven point five million. Carter Verhage came down for two years. Alexander Winberg for a year after he was bought out by the Blue Jackets. Vinny Henestrosa for a year. Um, I like a lot of that. I mean, it's just a kind of a bunch of random pieces, but they're pieces that I like. Uh, mm-hmm. What's his name? Barry Zito, Bobby Zito, Billy Zito. I know. Like, down there. Um, Z-Man. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the uh, Nashville 
Nashville Los Angeles Kings signed Sean Walker. This was on September 11th, a defenseman I've never heard of for four years, so good for him. And then no big signings yesterday. Grossnick, Tony Grossnick. Good for him. What a name. <laughs> the Minnesota Wild. Wow. Um, when it rains, it pours. You know, they had that Brodine extension. They brought in Kirill Kaprizov. That's exciting. Nico Sturm got extended uh, earlier this week. But then come Talbot, three years, $11 million. What are you thinking? You get rid of Devin Dubnik and you've made progress. And then you bring in Cam Talbot, you dumb sons of bitches. I don't know what they're thinking. I, I can't fathom what they were thinking with this. This is, this is so silly to me. Like, yeah, you just got, you got the same guy. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a early 30s, close to mid-30s guy that you have for too long who has, who has had by your fan base. So he's yeah, not who's had a fine season. <laughs> Fine seasons before, and those were kind of in the past. He had what? He had a decent, it was he had okay a decent backup year. career, and then he was had a really good season with Edmonton, right? Where like he, he was like played phenomenal like season. When he kind he of played like all the games, the, yeah. And Evan, yeah, he had the one year where he had seventy three games, and then he had sixty seven the following year, uh, but he wasn't good in that year, and then brutal the following season and then the following year was when he was traded and he was even more brutal and then he had a bounce back year with calgary but it's like i'm not taking one bounce back after three bad years and assuming that he's good now yeah i I didn't know what they were going to do when they just had staylock there but now that i see that it's like staylock in town but i'm like ah ah, big wolf Dakota Mermis, who has one of my favorite names in hockey, uh, signs with the Wild, and Jordan Greenway gets his first uh, payday with a $4.2 million two-year deal. Montreal Canadiens did things. Josh Anderson, seven years at $38.5 million. That's a cap hit of $5.5 million. Don't know what you're thinking. Don't know what you're thinking. A guy who's still not back from injury? Yeah. I just, whatever, man, but wow. Uh, and then they um, re-signed, no, yeah, extended Xavier Ouellette because he's the most French-sounding person out there. They need to have one. For Mete as well. The Predators brought in Mark Berovietsky, Ber- or however you say it, uh, to we'll please never know. the fans and all our sponsors. Um, two years, four million, bring a lot of grit there i guess but not anything that i'm worried about matt benning as well as also an nhl player that they paid money to as is nick cousins that's a very bland nothing addition to me uh the uh new jersey devils (laughs) this is just funny if you look at their page their last signing before um Crawford, they have one signing that was entry-level deal. And then before that, it was Nico Heischer's extension on October 18th of last year. Uh, but they brought in Corey Crawford two years, $7.8 million total. If he stays healthy, I think that makes sense for them to give uh, Blackwood a little bit of protection, um, you know, instead of just throwing him out there in the spotlight. But who knows with Crawford if he can stay healthy. Um the uh, Islanders officially signed Ilya Sorokin earlier this summer, but have done nothing, uh, unsurprisingly, during free agency because they're <laughs> boring. 
the uh, Rangers. They have a brand. The Rangers brought in Jack Johnson because reason. I know you don't have to play a man you pay. I mean, presumably you will play him because you are paying him. Uh-huh. But you do people not know that they – does this league owe something to Jack Johnson? You do not have to sign him. No one has to sign him. Yeah, no. And yet people continually do. And I guess it's because he's probably – Do people probably feel bad fun. about the parents yes. thing? Yes, 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 yes. That is, <laughs> I thought about that earlier today. I was like, you know what? They're like, yo, dog, you're not very good, but we also know your parents blood you dry. <laughs> So here's like 1.15 million. Don't give it to them, and we'll call it kosher. Keep it. You keep it. They paid us to take it. Um, Matt Murray in Ottawa, four-year, $25 million extension. I saw a lot of people balk at this, and I get it. I mean, it's too much money. But this is a team that's got to hit the cap floor. This is the first – I mean, Brian Anderson, God love him obviously a great dude and was there forever but like he hasn't been good for years this is the first time they've had a respectable goalie in a while and they've got to hit the cap floor and i don't hate it you know pay the guy pay him he's a two-time yeah. up winner you know it's not like they're going to negotiate him down to 2.3 million because he had a bad season it's an overpay but not a massive one to me and i just i don't get the outrage for a team that isn't spending money on anything else yeah, I agree. It's like it's it's too much for him, but at the same time, you traded for his rights and everything, so you were almost kind of under the gun. It was like now you had to give him what he wanted because what are you going to do? Trade him again and get nothing? You know, get like even less than what you gave up for him. Yeah. So you kind of had him where you wanted him, and yeah, it's it's too much. But he's won two cups, and I think I agree with Adam Wilde on the Steve Dangleback podcast where it's like. I bet on the guy. He's had some up and down seasons since then, and Tristan Jari kind of, you know, took the starting job from him. But I would bet on Matt Murray still being, a at very least, a decent goaltender. And really, if you're Ottawa and you're just on the rebound, you're trying to get a good team put together, you know, a winning team, just have a winning culture, you just need a decent goalie. Yeah, exactly. I think that's uh, that makes perfect sense for them to pay for him and and just have him and. And now, like you said, that's the piece, you know, if you build from the net out, there you go. You're a team now, <laughs> honestly. You know, you're, <laughs> we you're are a team, but said with confidence. Uh, Matt Murray, a Thunder Bay, Ontario native. So, you know. God, from, there's so many people from Thunder Bay, Ontario. You know, I feel like they talk about it like, oh, from Thunder Bay. Interesting. And I'm like, yeah, there's like 90 of you. In <laughs> exactly. Uh, Josh Brown, two years, 2.4 million to stay there. I think we mentioned earlier, Logan Shaw, two years, 1.45 million. Matthew Pekka. Um, Senators are a team on the rise. I don't know if both Sanderson and uh, – Stutzla will play this year or not, but uh, I think you're going to have to look at them being pretty good in the next, or at least, you know, a competitive team in the next year or two. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm happy for them. Other than, I think you've said this recently, but other than uh, Eugene Melnick, who seems to be absolute human garbage, I really kind of like that team. <laughs> yeah, know? I was like, yeah, I enjoy them. Just get rid of your own Um Brian Elliott stayed with the Philadelphia Flyers. They did nothing else except, I suppose, bring in former blue Derek Pouliot. Um, the uh, Penguins didn't do much. Brought in uh, or re-signed Anthony Angelo or Angelo for two years. Um, San Jose Sharks did give Kevin LeBanc an extension. Good for them. Four years. I think it was in the $4.5 million range, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. maybe 
closer to five. Um, you know, good, good for them. I'm glad. I'm, I'm honestly glad that that guy didn't get totally boned. You know, I was like, yeah, at least the Sharks ponied up a bit and were like, okay, thanks for taking our one year, one million dollar contract. <laughs> yeah, uh, Blues. Obviously, the Tory Krug deal is maybe the highest dollar value contract that's been handed out so far. Um, mm-hmm which is weird to think about because it's, it's in such a swirl of other emotions that I'm not thinking about really how big a deal it is. Uh, they brought also brought in John Gillies, uh, Stephen Santini, Sam Onis, and Curtis McKenzie, only one of whom I'm certain I've heard of before, um, but those are all taxi squad, you know, um, two-way contracts that'll mostly be in Springfield. Um mm-hmm. The Tampa Bay Lightning signed Mitchell Stevens, re-signed him, uh, brought back Pat Maroon and Luke Shen. Good for both of them. Uh, Pat Maroon cannot make any actual money, even though everyone in the league thinks he's a legend. Um, two years, 1.8 I'm million. a hometown hero, baby. Yeah, and they brought in Andreas Borgman, uh, Greek godbod, who I didn't even know we let go of. So, uh, but there you have it. The... Uh, Maple Leafs, as we talked about, Wayne Simmons came in. That's just kind of your feel-good story. I don't, you know, I don't think he's anywhere near the player he used to be, but he's a Toronto area native and um, deserves a chance to play there. TJ Brody, four-year, twenty million dollar deal. Um, that does not move the needle for them at all, in my opinion. It's um, like in he's fact, fine. that's the that's the move to me that kind of sinks them to me <laughs> not that it's not bad it really is not bad it's just like oh you needed so much more than that on your blue line and if you think I, that and a one-year one million for zach bogosian are your solution i'm sorry to tell you, <laughs> you know? i think uh eric francis or somebody out west who covers like the flames is basically like oh toronto we really like tj brody like he's you know tough on the puck and great in the offensive zone yada yada and he goes there are some detractors though and they're like, he can get a little squirrely on his own end and all this other stuff where he takes high-risk plays or makes high-risk plays that can, you know, lead to plays that go in the other direction. And he basically said, reminds me a lot of Jake Gardner. And I was like, oh, so you fucked up, Toronto. <laughs> so you got you got the guy that was crucified in your town again. Yep. Yeah. Uh... Good for them for trying. We'll see how it goes. They just a righty. That's what they need for Morgan Riley, but it's just like I, I can see I can see that team still even if he plays well, I can see this team still screwing it up and being like, well, we had to shuffle him up and down, and you know we moved him to the left side because we wanted to try it. And it's like, why you're fucking with your assets so bad? Yeah, yeah, I just uh, I just don't think that they're really ever going to break through. Who knows? Start selling the farm, baby. Give me them pieces. Um, Zach McEwen, two-year 1.65 from the Canucks. Tyler Mott, two-year 2.45, both re-signings. Uh, and then the big deal here is the two years 8.6 million for Braden Holpe. Now, listen, Braden Holpe looks washed as a dirty dish rag. Um, <laughs> but I think this is a deal that makes some sense for them to just have have a veteran who can kind of be the air quotes starter uh, so that it's just not all on Thatcher Demko right away, who obviously looked phenomenal in the playoffs when he got his chances. Um, but I just, I think this is a smart move. I think, you know, Braden Holtby is a great guy and, and I'm 
really honestly very glad that some team didn't give him some bonkers contract that they're going to regret and hate him for. Um, this is probably too much money, but at least it's on a short term. And I kind of like the deal. What do you think? Yeah, I think he landed in a good spot. I think it's someplace where he can, he's going to be back up to Thatcher Demko, but he's going to be able to get a fair amount of starts because Thatcher Demko is still young and brain Holby, like you said, while a little bit washed up here uh, to say the least, I think he still has enough in him to be a very solid backup in front of what's actually like a, a fairly uh, good next team these days. I was going to mention that the Tyler Mott re-signing, fantastic. Uh, that was uh, the Blues killer. Oh, that's all I remember. I was like, why is Tyler Mott oh, yeah. scoring like nine goals against that. us? I was like, oh, <laughs> I'll always remember that name. Because I'm like, this man shouldn't be scoring, Blues. This is your fault. This is your that, fault. That was, that was going to be a two-year, like, one four flat and because of what he did against us it's 2.45 now you know (laughs) go Um, go get your money that's all i say uh the octave the octave or wow i'm off (laughs) the vegas gold knights uh made the robin lanier five point five year five million dollar per extension official about a week ago everybody's known that was coming uh one of the worst kept secrets but finally official then extended Chandler Stevenson who fit there very well for four years at 11 million and they also signed a guy named Reed Duke to a contract extension which was is that a- their first player I think that was their first player maybe I think maybe. he I think that's the guy that they signed I don't know out of college I'm assuming or something uh-huh. or just like you know un- undrafted guy as like before they even had their draft or yada yada and they're like yeah reed duke is the first vegas golden i feel like that name pops up to me for some reason i believe you i mean you seem to have seem adamant um henrik american magic the gathering player sorry i looked up reed duke and there's a more famous one it's from (laughs) sugarloaf new york wow when when that's the more famous reed duke that's uh that's hurtful um, no offense to Magic. Eh, some offense to Magic. Offense. A little offense. Players. Just a little, just a touch. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist with the Washington Capitals. It feels so wrong. Uh, and also, oddly, it doesn't. He stays um, in red, white, and blue. I yeah. think the color, I think the colors matter. I think yeah. staying in that, staying in the Eastern Conference in the same general colors makes it feel palatable versus, say, Here's Henrik Lundqvist, and he's wearing Anaheim orange. Yep. Yeah, I was thinking Anaheim, too. Same mind. Justin Schultz signs a two-year, $8 million deal there. Um, Trevor Rams, <laughs> Trevor Rand Beamstrike <laughs> uh, got a two one-year, $800,000 deal with $2 signs. Oh, shit, that's the big money, baby. Double <laughs> dollar signs, baby. That's on Yelp, you know. You can't go. I was going to think, man. Run. Two lines, baby. That's what I was uh, thinking. I was like, man, that's a that's a little more than a low tier restaurant. Yeah, yeah. That's uh that's your uh what 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 falls into that category? Five, like a PF Chang's. Yeah, PF Chang's is a two dollar sign. You know that kind of not quite casual, not quite fast casual, but uh, not much above that sort of. You know, you take you take your uh, high school girlfriend there on a date to be like, look, look, girl. I'm not going to take you to like you know your your run of the mill. Your Applebee's, your Ruby Tuesdays. We're going to P.F. Chang's. We're going to the uh, Cheesecake Factory. You're going to CPK. Oh. <laughs> the baby. That's uh, that's almost a two and a half oh, dollar sign. 
Yeah. Oh shit, this dude must bag so many groceries at Schnucks. <laughs> and he did. He most certainly did. I'm trying to look for, oh, there we go. Give me them $2 sign restaurants in St. Augustine, Florida. This is good content for the listeners. <laughs> Elion Co- Cochina has a $2 sign restaurant. Did someone draft that guy this year, <laughs> I believe? Elion Cochina. <laughs> uh, the Blue Hen Cafe, the Prohibition Kitchen, which is a cool name, the Floridian. Uh, Catch 27, the ice plant. Wow, these are, I am in a very hipster area, aren't I? Oh, Jesus. Um, you want to come explore St. Augustine with me via foodie sometime, Ian? We'll this this sounds like the best part of Florida. Yeah, I think this is this is the city to move to if you're going to move to Florida. I think there's no question. Um, I do like the Trevor Van Riemsdyk signing, though, as a, a depth add to that team. I think that's a, he's a player that kind of, is always in that role and, and just kind of occupies it and fills it as well as anybody. And then the uh, Winnipeg Jets re-signed Mason Appleton, two years, 1.8 million. Lucas Pisa re-signed for purposes. Uh, Nathan Bill, uh, two years, 2.5 million. The Dylan DeMello signing, four years, 12 million uh, is a nice little deal for them. And uh, CJ Dr. Seuss uh, got a two-year $1.45 million contract extension. So that's the um, players that are signed. Uh, and there are a lot of players that remain unsigned. Um, you know, I would say the, the majority of the top free agents are uh, still out there and, and uh, are available to uh, be signed. Available for purchase. It's weird to me. I, the Alex Petrangelo thing was weird, but we've gotten used to it now. We're like, okay, yeah, he's not signed yet. Because um, we're a little more in touch with that story. But like the fact that I look around and go, wait, is Taylor Hall still just moseying about out there with no team? You know what's weirder to me even than that um, is how I have no clue where he's going to end up. Yeah, like that dude could end up on any team. Yeah. I mean, the Blue Jackets make a lot of sense because they're obviously intentionally clearing space to do something, but I don't know what it is, and I don't know that it's that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just uh, just weird to me that he's out there and, and still available and very, very, very much unsigned, you know? Very specifically unsigned. <laughs> um, and then you've got your Mike Hoffman's, um, your, uh, you know, your Evgeny Danoff, who is still very good. Alex Petrangelo, obviously. Corey Schneider is just cost money. Is Ryan Nugent Hopkins currently available? No, they extended him, right? No, yeah, yeah. I thought, or I thought they said they, maybe I re- heard on a podcast that they were intended to. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Dadnoff to Foley. Mikel Granlund still out there. Nugent Hopkins isn't this year. This is just an error on the site. Okay, I was going to say, I don't know what happened there because, uh, yeah, Granlund's still out there. Um, Jimmy Howard, Mike Hoffman, uh, Alex Galchenyuk, Sammy Vatanen is still out there. Hey, Martin Hansels. Uh, still around. Tyler Toffoli is still out there. So there's some players that are still going to make a difference. Uh, Vladislav Nemesnikov is even a player I like. 
Um, yeah, there are just some some players out there that could uh, could be unsigned still and might be for quite a while as we kind of wait to see the the dust settle on Petrangelo and and Hall and let the market kind of um, filter down from there. But I think uh, it'll be interesting. I don't know uh, what's going to happen. Do you have any big predictions? Um, not really. I mean, I think I think Taylor Hall. I think that you said the Blue Jackets make a lot of sense. I don't know if they, for some reason, it feels like Montreal has always been after Taylor Hall since he's been on the move from Edmonton. Um, I don't know if they, I don't know if they have space for him, but I, for some reason, I feel like the Blues are going to make like one more like forward move, not like a, a huge one, but like I could see, and I don't know with what space we're going to make it, but I, for some reason in my head, I was like, I feel like we'd be in on like Evgeny Dadnov. I don't think that's true. Maybe I just want it to be true, but it's like, I, I'm interested, but at the same time, uh, to bring it all back to the Blues, I, maybe we don't see any big moves outside of the Tory Krug move, um, especially at forward, because I think yesterday when I was watching Armstrong talk after the Krug signing, it was pretty much about how he really believes um, in this group of forwards and how he has, like, you know, any guys that, you know, we've lost in terms of, like, injuries like Steen and Tarasenko – uh, we're not going to really replace other than internally. And it was kind of nice to hear because he said, we really want to see um, Thomas and Cairo and even, even cost him if he can make the team uh, up and playing like big roles on this team, like, you know, top six roles and see what we have in them. And that was just nice to hear. So maybe I don't want us to do anything uh, UFA wise, but yeah, I don't, I don't know where like Taylor Hall and some of these other, these other guys will end up. Um, I'd like a Tyler Toffoli. That'd be neat. Yeah. Those are my musings. <laughs> I like it. No, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm kind of of both minds as well. Like I would love us to go get a, a depth forward. I'd love us to do it if we could do it for one year. You know, you mm-hmm. bring Tyler Toffoli for one year at 4 million or whatever and do that kind of Derek Ryan thing where it's like, all right, you're here. Neither of us think this is a long-term arrangement, but we need a mercenary to kind of bring us some of those goals we're losing with Tarasenko hurt and Steen uncertain. Um, but at the same time, I do, I really, I think it's more important to, to give Kairou a full chance and a full look and, and to give him and, and Costin a chance to really see what you have in them and, and Thomas, especially. Um, I did a guest appearance on a friend's podcast um, just before this. And I actually, I think the Thomas contract is really interesting. It's, you know, coming next off season. Cause I think it's going to be hugely dependent on this season. Um, if you really can take that next step and, and get up to 60 points or, you know, 55 or something like that, I think, you know, you look at that kind of eight-year deal where you really just proclaim, okay, you're a part of our core and we want to keep you around. Um, and if he doesn't do that, I think it probably looks more like a, a two or three-year bridge deal that says sort of, hey, who are you? You know, are you, you know, I think the skill level is elite. I agree with NHL or EA Sports, but um, you know, if the production isn't there yet, I don't think we can commit to him uh, at the dollar value he'll want for eight years uh, without knowing a little more. So I think a lot of our youth is kind of in a, in a, a little bit of a limbo, nothing I'm super worried about right now. Uh, but if the injuries provide you the opportunity to see uh, a lot more of those guys without taking a huge step back in production, I, I would like to see it too. So uh, with all of that said, I guess that's the end of this podcast. And um, 
I don't know when our next one will be. I am in Florida for another week. Um, we've been recording on Zoom, so if the audio is a little strange, you know, apologies, but that's what Zoom is, you know? They came for your, uh, your jobs, uh, and then they came for your data, and now they've come for your podcasts. That's who Zoom is. That's your 1%. Um, but, uh, you know, so uh, if, I think if, if, you know, if, if there's a huge bit of blues news in some um, capacity, either, you know, somehow Petrangelo coming back or another big free agent or a big trade, I think we'll try to get a, a podcast out pretty quickly, even if it's a shorter one. And, and if not a lot happens, uh, maybe we'll wait until I'm back and can do it face to face. Who knows? We'll see. But we got this one out. And, uh, you know, I think a lot has happened and it'll be, there's a lot more. I'm kind of glad, you know, I love that rush of the free agency day where everything happens super fast. But, you know, since we're not going to have hockey for at least probably three more months, I'm kind of glad to have it sort of drag out a little bit. And, and, you know, now that we've done something big and I'm not just in agony hoping that Petrangelo resigns, uh, we can take our time and see how it goes. So any last thoughts, Ian? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where some of these guys land, but I'm, I'm also kind of relieved that uh, we have a lot more, we have a lot more clarity in where the Blues future lies. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be a good team going forward. It's just uh, how good and, and what does that look like? So good until we next, yeah, so how good is too good enough? Until we next talk, uh, you know, this is a two guys, one crew podcast signing off. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, farewell from sunny St. Augustine, although it's night and that's not how the sun works, but farewell anyway. See ya.